Hello and welcome to the latest podcast. This is Brady Ackerman. Appreciate you checking us out. Uh, we sure do appreciate it on SoundCloud and in the iTunes store. Also on our Facebook page, The Brady Ackerman Show, and on Twitter, at Brady Ack. Uh, our podcast is brought to you by Campus Outfitters, located on Archer Road in Gainesville. Get your officially licensed Gator Apparel. Big party coming up. Big reunion coming up. Family reunion this summer. Check out Campus Outfitters. They're located on Archer Road in Gainesville. They do great work and, of course, officially licensed Gator Apparel. Now, what are we going to talk about? The spring is over. Uh, It's a long time, 128 days until the first game. But we got a lot of different things we'll get to over the summer with regards to Florida football and and kind of the direction of the program, what's next, what they need to do, what are some of the hot-button topics. You know, some of Florida's opponents are finishing up spring. We'll talk a little bit about that. Tennessee has their spring game coming up this weekend. Alabama, which could be a future Florida opponent, you never know, in the championship game. Uh, So there's plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, the news of the week is Jake Allen has uh, decided to transfer from the University of Florida and uh, go somewhere else. Uh, Jake Allen is a, a you know a good, really good kid, uh, a pro style quarterback out of St. Thomas Aquinas. Was probably going to be a three year guy. He was probably going to be a red shirt, then a freshman, then his sophomore year. Physically, I think he would be ready to compete for a pro style job. At, uh, at the high level. I think he has um, had good coaching, obviously, in high school. He worked with Eric Kresser, one of the great passers in Florida history. Understand what I just said. Passers. Uh, you got the great quarterbacks in Florida history, but Eric Kresser, along with Rex Grossman and John Reeves, may be the best passers of the football in Florida football history. Just think about that. You know, Dan Marino is never going to win an argument for you as the greatest quarterback of all time. Because how many Super Bowls did he win? That's how, you know, you can't, what can you do? But he's the one of the, he he might be the greatest passer of all time. The guy had unbelievable foot mechanics. His release uh, was quicker than probably anybody in pro football. And uh, he really could get the ball out of his hands with very limited mobility. But uh, Cresser had some mobility, but he was just a great passer at Florida. So if you think about, and I just kind of thought about this the other day, and Cresser worked with Jake Allen, uh, Eric Cresser could have been the starting quarterback in Florida. Problem is, Danny Werfel was there. Danny Werfel sits out. Cresser throws for seven touchdowns. Wins a national title at uh, Marshall uh, with Randy Moss. Um, surprised he didn't get more, uh, you know, have a longer NFL career, but he was a great passer. Uh, and Rex Grossman was a great passer. And so was John Reeves, the late John Reeves. So he worked with him. He's looking for a pro-style offense. Uh, some of the things that I've heard is, uh, you know, West Virginia, the Ivy League. Uh, he just wants to go play. And uh, he's a Gator, and he did not want to leave you know, the Florida uh, program because everybody wants to be a Gator, but he chose to, to move on. And kind of reminded me a little bit of John Brantley. Now, Brantley was a little more highly touted coming out of high school, both pro-style quarterbacks, both wanted to be Gators, but the offense didn't fit them. And then Brantley stuck around because of his love for the Gators. And he probably and he ended up starting, you know, but it wasn't the system that would have fit him. He'd have been much better served to play at South Carolina or Texas even uh, against, I guess it would have been Colt McCoy at the time. But um, so Allen's bailing out early is probably a good call. Uh, he just really struggled with this offense. And, and, and to me, again, go lay out a year, 
two years from now, I think he can keep, compete for a job because I think physically he'll be, he'll be there. Uh, but he's a good kid. We'll keep an eye on him. But that also leaves Florida with three scholarship quarterbacks. Three. So the topic of the week is, you know, everybody on the internet, message boards, Twitter, and just anywhere you talk to Gator fans, can Florida find a graduate quarterback, graduate transfer? Now, I think Ohio State has one Morrow that's con- rumored to be thinking about leaving. I don't know if he would, you know, if he would make sense for Florida or if the Gators would be interested. I don't know if Urban wants to lose any more players to Florida from Ohio State. He's already lost Travon Grimes. Uh, but... Maybe that's an option, okay? Uh, but I, I think in, long, in large part, you have three scholarship guys. You'd like to have four. Uh, so I think that, I don't know if it's the junior college route. I don't know if it's the graduate transfer route. But they need another guy on campus. Uh, another guy that maybe, if, you know, because we've seen Florida lose two quarterbacks in a season before. You know, you get into a sticky situation, you need to have that fourth guy. Now, that fourth guy may be Kadarius Tony. He might be the fourth guy. Uh, so, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the three guys that went through spring as the top three will be the guys competing for the job. So, with three scholarship guys, a true freshman, and two redshirt sophomores that have been around, where do we sit as we go to the summer? Now, I told you on the last podcast what I thought each guy had to do to win the job to take the job from the other two guys. Whether they do that or not or listen to this podcast, I don't know. You know, it's pretty simple to me um, what all three guys need to do. But none of them have done that to this point. So I always believe the default position of Dan Mullen will be Emory Jones. The default position for Dan Mullen at the quarterback spot is, okay, maybe I play these other guys. I'm going through the season or whatever, a couple games in, Tennessee. I'm going Emory Jones when we run the football. You know, uh, he had a true freshman that played in the Egg Bowl last year, looked terrible, turned around in a month later with Coach Knox and Coach English coaching him up uh, and staying behind at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen gone. He beat him. He, he led him to a, a victory over Louisville and looked very good. So their quarterback situation at Mississippi State's better today than it's been in a year. Now Fitzgerald's still the guy, but their you know their situation got better. So Dan Mullen will play a freshman quarterback if he had, and and Emory Jones will play. But I think he would like that to be the default position. I think he would like to see one of these two guys emerge as the better player of the two. And then give them the ball with Emory Jones as the backup. I said along, and they're going to play two quarterbacks against Charleston Southern. They might play all three quarterbacks, probably, against Charleston Southern. But against Kentucky, he's going to have to narrow it down to at least two. So these guys really need to take the bull by the horns this summer. Um, I think there's a faction of the fan base that's seen Felipe, and they're done. That, that, that we've had enough. There's a faction of the fan base that says, I don't want to see Kyle Trask. He ain't starting high school. He ain't starting for the Gators. Gosh, dog it. And I think there's a big part of the fan base that says, just let Emory Jones ride. Let him ride. There's some that are probably concerned he hasn't won the job already. Folks, 15 practices is very hard for a freshman quarterback to really assert himself. But he needs to assert himself. And like I said on the last podcast, he just needs to say, he needs to quit deferring, quit being the freshman, says, you know, he needs to jump to the front of the line, he needs to take charge, you know. Um, Some of the things that are difficult for 
freshman quarterbacks to get, and I don't pretend to know the caliber of competition he played against, but Georgia football is pretty good football. All right, folks, it's top five football in the country. I don't know, Heard County, you know, who they play or whatever, and he had a bunch of yards. Hard to simulate that pass rush. And usually what freshman quarterbacks do and what Frank still does and which a lot of young quarterbacks do, and not just these guys, is when the rush comes, they start looking at the rush, they take their eyes off down the field. They don't trust where the ball is going or where the play is going, and they take off and run. And that's kind of where Emory is right now. Now, hopefully his learning curve is a little bit faster than the other two guys. And if it is, he should learn where the routes go, where the plays go, where he needs to go with the football, and, and get it to the right guys. But ultimately, ultimately, this is going to be a running football team. And if Emory Jones gives you a better chance to win because of the threat of the run and because he's more comfortable at doing it than the other two guys, then to heck with the passing game. You know? I can tell you this right now. If Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes don't play, the passing game's not going to be that much better. It's not. I mean, you'll get some more big plays because they're going to run the football. But we're not headed to 250, 300 yards a game. Not without those two guys. Not a chance in Haiti. Unless Copeland just comes in and lights it up. So they need those two guys. I don't care who the quarterback is. Because those are two guys that you just throw it up. They're covered. Just throw it. Don't hold it. Throw it. They'll go get it. And those two guys should make life a lot easier for Seante Lewis and um, Hammond, Josh Hammond, and Kadarius Toney, and even Tyree Cleveland. I mean, can you imagine if they had all three of those guys out there? What if they put Jefferson at the slot? Who's going to cover him? You put Jefferson, Tony, Cleveland, and Grimes in four wide, and you run four verticals, and you run it 65 times a game, and Mike Leach's offense, you probably throw for 800 yards with those guys. Now, who are they going to double? You're going to get single coverage across the board almost. So all you got to do is read the safety and find the open receiver. That's what Spurrier made, dominated in the 90s because people that back then didn't even have nickelbacks. They had linebackers trying to cover the slot guy. But even if you have a nickelback, even if you stay in dime, then Florida should be able to run it with Scarlet. So you got to be in nickel. You can't get in dime on first and second down. So you go four wide with those cats and run four verticals. You got Cleveland and... Grimes on the outside, man-to-man. The safeties are going to lock on Jefferson and and Hammond, or are they going to roll over the top? Now i got Jefferson and Hammond down the seams. It's very simple football, man. And Dan Mullen's offense is successful. It's been simple. The great offenses in the world, college football and pro football and of time, are simple. People are marvel at how little of a playbook Lincoln Riley or Mike Leach or Dana Holgerson or Art Bryles when he was coaching. And it's a very small playbook. All these coaches, they convene out to these places. I want to learn how to run the Mike Leach offense or the Steve Spurrier. Well, Steve Spurrier's offense is a little different. But, you know, Lincoln Riley's offense now. They're going to get out there and go, that's it? Yeah, that's it. We're going to throw Y cross about 10 times out of a couple different formations and motions. And our guy is going to beat your guy. We want to know where the guy is going to be. That's the beauty in the offense. 
the beauty in in the air raid offense or the in in today's college football is the simplicity. The guys that want to keep muddy the waters and complicate it struggle. Urban Meyer, his offense is vanilla, and when it struggles, people go, "Oh, his offense looks vanilla." There's it's so easy to stop, and it struggles what three one time a year, two times a year, but it's predicated on speed. You know, the other day I'm looking around, I'm going, "We Florida had." At one point on the field, Chris Rainey, Jeff Demps, and Percy Harvin. So, what do you do as a defense? Don't don't miss a tackle. Don't get out of position. And that's the thing against Ohio State. What Urban does is there's that one team a year that probably doesn't get out of position, plays the perfect game defensively, doesn't have a breakdown, and it's a close game. Whether it's Penn State one year or Michigan State one year, it happens. Well-coached, disciplined. You, I'm telling you, college football kids are not disciplined. They're well-coached, but not disciplined. Okay, They're going to make mistakes. And with Ohio State, with all that speed, they burn you. And if they're better than you and they got better talent, then they route you. And Florida, that's what Florida's going to be. And they're a little bit more quarterback run, but Urban's quarterback run with JT Barrett, you know, they run the ball. Then he started throwing it a little bit more. I mean, the beauty in Mullen's offense, which is really Urban Meyer's offense, or whoever created it between the two of them, it's simple. So when when it's not working, people are like, try something different. You just keep running Tebow up the middle. But it's simple, and it's predicated on personnel, not X's and O's. Simple, okay? So if any of these quarterbacks cannot get a grasp of this offense and emerge, Emory Jones will be your quarterback. It's not hard. It is not, and I'm not saying it's not hard for a young kid to pick up an offense. It's not. It really isn't. What I'm saying is, is that, and I'm not saying that their offense is not any better. It's a great offense. But would this offense work at at Vanderbilt? as well as it works at Ohio State, you ask yourself that question. No, not have the same players. Leach's offense might work a little as well at Vanderbilt like it did at Texas Tech because he doesn't. it's not predicated on the speed at every position in the run game. It's predicated on passing the ball, short, quick passes. But So this offense really maximizes your ability to recruit speed. So it's going to take less pressure off the quarterback. And it's going to put more pressure on the guys around the quarterback. Now, you get a Dak Prescott, throw for 3,000 yards, I have a chance to be number one in the country. You get a Tebow, you get an Alex Smith. So, I mean, you want to recruit an elite quarterback. Florida doesn't have an elite quarterback on their roster right now. They do not. So what do they got to do? They got to get the ball to the playmakers. Very simple. And if Felipe Franks does not want to pull the trigger, he's not going to win the job. If Kyle Trask wants to step into the huddle and act like he hasn't started, he's not going to win the job. And Jones will be the default position. It's as simple as that. He knows what he's getting. He knows he's going to make mistakes. Fans are not going to get on. I mean, Dan Mullen has equity. Even if the fans aren't happy, he has equity. So it's not going to matter. So I'm talking to Kyle Trask after the game. He's good friends with my son. And I said, Kyle, you're right there for the job. You got a chance. You know what you got to do? He goes, what? I said, you got to take it. You got to take it. And I'd have told Emory Jones the same thing. I think with Franks, I think he 
He's trying. I think he's celebrating and saying the right things, and he's athletic. But, you know, the light switch is still halfway up. And it's hard to tell where the light switch is on on Trask, but I think he had a good spring. And for Jones, give me till August 15th before I tell you whether or not Jones can be a great quarterback. I mean, is it fair to judge the kid on 15 practices, 90% of the time throwing to the third wide receivers behind the third offensive line? I mean, how many passes did Jones get to throw in a scrimmage situation to Jefferson or Grimes? Zero. Zero. In the scrimmages, the full scrimmages. Now, I don't know. I didn't go to every practice. So, I mean, in fairness to him, he's probably over there going, look, I can throw a slant to Grimes. So, to me, this thing is going to go until the camp. I understand there's a, and I've been around a lot of fans in the last week, did some radio shows with some Gator fans, some other podcasts. There are people out there that are done with Franks. And I'm here to tell you, in regards to Felipe, whether you're done with him or not, he's not done yet. Okay? I know what coaches think. I know how they think. He's going to get every chance to win the job, probably more so than Trask. Fair or not. I just, this is the way coaches think. Dan Mullen didn't tell me a thing. I'm just saying, I think he looks at that big joker with his arm strength and his athleticism, and he says, I can do something with this. So, um, for Trask just to keep being solid, that's not going to be good enough. Franks is like the heavyweight champion, and you've got to win all three cards to win the championship, or two of the three cards. And Trask, is he's doing good. To me, I think he's better, but he's not significantly better. So these guys are battling it out. I've already said what Trask has to do. And then you've got Emory Jones, who I think just will feel more comfortable being around the kids, be more comfortable throwing the ball every day this summer, uh, getting his arm in shape, getting his timing right. And then when he comes to August 1st, who knows? I think it's wide open. We start, we hit the reset button, and all three guys, go man, go. And if those two perform the way they did in the spring, not great, about the same they performed every spring here, except for the first one when, when Felipe wasn't very good, then I think Emory Jones is going to win the job by default. That's why I said he's the default. He's in the default position. Now, he could take the job, and I think that's what everybody would be excited for Dan Mullen to come out August 15th and go, boy, Emory Jones having a great camp. He has really turned it up a notch. But if he doesn't, and he doesn't say anything about the other guys, he still may start. So he has the best advantage. I think you play all three of them in the first game, and you just figure it out. Maybe two of them if it separates during camp. But you're going to need all three with Jake Allen transferring. We don't know if we're going to get a graduate transfer. I would think at Florida, if a graduate transfer comes in, they might redshirt Emory Jones. But here's why I think that. If you bring a graduate transfer in in the spring, there's a chance that Trask or Franks transfers. Are you going to go to them this summer and say, this Joe Morrow guy, whatever his name is, his graduate transfer is coming in, and one of you guys need to take a hike? You're not in the, I mean, probably not. So if you bring in a guy that's got experience, that's a runner, that's kind of a game manager, he's not great, but he's not bad, do you really want to burn the redshirt year on Emory Jones just being a runner? 
if he doesn't, if he keeps performing the way he does, you know? So, look, these guys, it's, I mean, I, this is a position that Kyle Trask has never been in. This is a position Felipe Franks has been in. But it's going to take more than cheering and throwing football into the stands and jogging around for Franks to win the job. And uh, I've seen some flashes, but we're past flashes. We're redshirt sophomore year. Redshirt sophomore year, Shane Matthews, who never started a game, won SEC Player of the Year. Redshirt sophomore year, um, Danny Werfel won an SEC championship. You know? I mean, redshirt sophomore year, um, Tim Tebow won the Heisman. He didn't redshirt. His third year, he played for a national title. His third year, they, they, uh, they won a national title. So Tebow's third year national title. Uh, Werfel... They won the SEC title, and Shane got his first year starting, won SEC Player of the Year. So these guys, if they're not ready by August 15th, forget it. Backups. And I'd tell them that if they were standing right here at the podcast. They should know that. So I would do, I would really study, but I would also, I think the best thing these guys can do, people say, well, sometimes you study a lot and you spend a lot of time in the film room, and it doesn't mean anything. Well, number one, make sure you're watching the film the right way. They got a guy who's played the position recently and played in this offense of Brian Johnson. That's a valuable resource. But I think, to me, the best thing that could happen to Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask and Emory Jones is to sit and talk football. So I, I'm around some of these kids, you know, like my son's on the team. They don't, not a lot of them talk ball like you would think. And a lot of them don't really follow anything outside of Florida and maybe some stars in the NFL. I mean, they really don't. I mean, they play these video games now, uh, you know, whether it's the Madden or the college football game or whatever. They don't know who any of these teams are. What conference are they in? How do you not know that? I don't know. They're not in the SEC, so I don't know who they are. Or the ACC. Uh, I had a buddy who went to a school in that conference. I mean, it's just... I would just talk ball with these quarterbacks. Man, look at that. What is that? Two high safeties? What do you think here? What do you like? What do you know? Why? Why do you feel that way? Who do you think's open? What do you think's the best formation? That's what I would do. Hal Mummy was great at that. When I worked for Hal Mummy in the early 90s to mid-90s, he was one of the best quarterback coaches that, to this day I've ever been around. And he is complete simplicity which I get a sense that Mullen's this way too. That's why he's been such, so good at it. Talk to the, ask questions of your quarterback. Don't tell him what to do. Ask him and let him figure it out. You know, I think a lot of times guys in, in, in high school coaches and people say, you got to throw the curl as soon as that safety turn, his corner turns his shoulders, whatever. You know, what did you see there? That's the best thing you can ask a quarterback. what did you see there? Why? And then when they're wrong, you explain, look, this is what you got to do. So you teach in a classroom. On the field, you get feedback and then teach. And then after that, which is this area, this time of the year, in my opinion, being around the quarterback coaches I've been around and coaching quarterbacks, which I have, it's all about expanding your football IQ. You hear that with basketball IQ, you know, the guys who have great basketball IQ and football IQ, usually uh, the football IQ usually is like quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, 
you know, some guys just know their position. They don't know what else everybody else is doing. And that's fine. That's fine. But a quarterback's got to know what everybody's doing. Every day, I would say, I'd pick a play, and I'd say, who's the old line blocking on this? What if he shades down? You know? Let's end the pass play. Let's just talk about it. And there's no wrong answers. But give me an answer. Give me confidence. Because how that kid is going to react is how he's going to react in a game. Simple as that. Wait a minute. I'm coaching up the quarterbacks. I'm sure that's going on. So those are the things that got to go on uh, with the quarterbacks. This is mostly a quarterback podcast. Look at that. See, we just stumbled right into a little quarterback podcast for you. Um, you know, because Jake Allen's leaving, we wish him the best. We'll find out. We'll keep an eye on these graduate transfer stuff. Uh, we'll keep an eye on, you know, the, the kids are finishing up spring uh, semester. Uh, they will get back in the weight room, get their bodies right. Then they've got summer A. They'll get after that. Summer B, it'll really go up a notch. And then August will be here before you know it. And uh, these kids really just need to take the bull by the horns. You know, be a leader. Be an alpha male. Be a junkie. Uh, so it should be fun. That That's certainly a position. Uh, as far as uh, injury update, real quickly, C.C. Jefferson had a uh, shoulder surgery, which tells me off the record, off the record, I'm guessing a labrum tear. Uh, he'll be back August 1st. He'll be ready to go. Um, I don't know what what other shoulder surgery other than popping it back in on a separation, which that could be a potential possibility, but I don't know if you have surgery for that. But he'll be back. They've already... Um, just some people have already discussed that he'll be fine. Uh, TJ McCoy had an ankle. We talked about that the other day. He'll be he'll be fine. Gator's pretty healthy. I think Cedric Brunson, number thirty four linebacker, had a shoulder dinged up. Uh, I think a labrum uh, during the season. That's a very popular injury among defensive players. The labrum tear. It's a very small muscle behind either posterior or anterior on your shoulder that. When you're trying to make a tackle, your shoulder gets hyperextended, kind of, if you will, forward or back, boom, it tears. But when they fix it, it's fixed for good. It's almost like you'd like to get it torn and so you can get it fixed. Uh, Anzalone had a few of them, and uh, he's playing in the NFL, so it's not a big deal. Jefferson will be fine, and uh, he's a tough kid. He'll be ready to go. So that that's good news as well. So we'll keep an eye on all that stuff uh, on our next podcast, kind of update you on what's going on, come up with some fun college football topics, and always talk about the Gators. We want to thank Campus Outfitters for sponsoring our podcast, and thank you for listening. Uh, until our next one, so long, everybody.